0: Previously on Veronica Mars. I want the record to reflect that I did not call Senator Sanders an ignorant slut.
1: <laughs> okay? I, I don't know how I should take that, Senator Kennedy, but uh, Senator King.
0: My father's impeachment defense team for the hoax impeachment part deux. Well, my father's defense team finally aired the footage putting fake blue check mark on tweets to make it seem like they were official and lying. Where you see him condemning white supremacists. I'm Kato Kalen, and you listen to The Society Show. So don't go. Don't go. Listen to The Show, Society Show. This is The Society Show. Yeah, I know about The Society Show. I love it, that podcast. He's the best. My name is Christian. I am joined by filmmaker Megan Hattie. Megan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. What's up, Christian? Long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, long time. Uh, so, the... Well, there's two reasons why you're on the show, I guess. The first is that you have a podcast of your own, um, and we'll mm-hmm. get to that, but uh, also, we used to be roommates. Can we turn our beds into bunk beds?
1: That's right. That's why we're on in touch on Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I'm trying to remember, did, we, did I know you before we lived in the same house? Because I feel like I have a vague memory of that, but maybe not.
1: I think we, um, so this was in Portland, if that's all right to say. Yeah. Um, I think we were in the same year at PSU. Is that possible?
0: Yeah, I think. I'm 29. I started college in 2010, so...
1: I started college in two thousand nine, but yeah, I think I have a memory of you from PSU, but I don't remember why or where.
0: Yeah, maybe we had a class together, but uh,
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah, and then you actually had the haunted bedroom of the house. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, I hated living in that room. It was really <laughs> depressing, and I had a single mattress on the floor, so I think that didn't help.
0: Yeah, and you live. How long did you live there? Like four months five months
1: yeah I think I moved in in February and was out by late June because it just was uh I think it was too many roommates for me also
0: (laughs) yeah um
1: I don't know that was we were like six people in the house
0: well, yeah, and then if you count the basement, because three people lived right. in the basement too, and mm-hmm. then and then after you moved out, I think uh, there was seven people living upstairs at some point, and then oh my god, so, um, <laughs> yeah, so that was that was a fun house. Uh, another thing I would like to talk about before we. Uh, I guess go any deeper is uh, what is upstate New York like what's the deal we uh, I tweeted on Twitter that I don't know what upstate New York's like my vision of it is just kind of generically east coast but also Mm -hmm. rural Um, so why are you an expert on upstate New York and what insight can you give us into it
1: yeah so my mom is from upstate New York I grew up going there pretty much every summer But the thing about upstate New York is it is not all the same. There's, you know, I moved to New York City a few years ago and uh, uh, what I learned really quickly is that anything above New York City, anything north of there is considered upstate by New Yorkers. So I had to get used to that because my mom raised me to feel like where she was from was upstate New York, you know, not Yonkers, for example, or the Hudson River Valley. Um, but I don't know, in my experience, like in terms of my mom's side of the family, upstate New York tends to be pretty conservative and pretty white in a lot of areas. And, um, it's, you know, lots of farms. I mean, my mom grew up on a dairy farm, so that's sort of my family's background, but there are larger cities, you know, uh, people know Albany, Rochester, Syracuse, you know, uh, So, yeah, it's, I mean, I could answer more specific questions if you wanted, but.
0: Yeah, I guess so, like, okay, so I can totally envision, like, the stereotype of a rural Pennsylvanian. I can envision the stereotype Mm -hmm. of a rural New Englander or someone from Ohio (laughs) or something. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I cannot figure out a single um, identifying um, thing about people from upstate New York.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there's an accent. Um, They say bathroom or mom. That's a thing. Uh, They, you know, they're totally not, if they're really far from New York City, you know, that New York City may as well be another country, like, or another, a totally another world. And I mean, I don't want to generalize, but, um, you know, they're very, they're like, oh, people in other states don't know about snow. We know about snow. Like there's like feet of snow. All winter long um, in some places Uh, but yeah I mean I don't know it is diverse too in terms of but it is what's interesting about the state of New York is there is no ocean front besides in New York City Hmm. so there's also Buffalo which is on Lake Erie I want to say I've never been there there's Niagara Falls um so there's no there's no sort of coastal area in New York besides in the city. So I think that's interesting like you don't think of anybody who has access to the beach.
0: They don't sleep anymore on the beach. Okay, A- unless you count lake beaches.
1: Right, yeah, but I like you know you have Jersey Shore people or whatever. That doesn't exist in New York. New York is almost landlocked. Yeah. Just, Interesting.
0: I- unless you count the lake.
1: Yeah, but I guess, you know <laughs> you, what I mean? You like, don't count it. I don't.
0: <laughs> no. <Okay>. Um... Uh- <laughs> (laughs) well that's good to know I feel like I sit like okay here's my last question about it so Mm -hmm. um, you know I've heard that New Englanders or upstate New Yorkers get mad when you um, consider upstate New York part of New England I will say growing up on the Mm -hmm. west coast though like uh, for a long time I just kind of thought of New England as like anything north of the Mason-Dixon line like I didn't know that there Mm -hmm. was like the mid-Atlantic Atlantic and that was different from new england and all of that stuff so like what's different mm-hmm. about upstate new york and say vermont
1: i think i i mean i don't really know i've heard that debate before like i don't think upstate new york is considered new england um i remember when i was in on my way to maine one time i like stopped at this place in new hampshire and uh there were signs i don't know i think of new england as being like quainter and like more like literary or something i don't know (laughs) but i (laughs) i remember seeing a flyer um that was like new england film festival and i was like oh i thought i lived in new i thought new york city was new england so i guess i'm not eligible for this film festival like i do think there is a regional uh pride but i'm not sure exactly like where the cutoff is
0: i always thought of new england as being like Uh, basically every state northeast of new york
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that might be accurate i do think it's there's more like kind of uh old money perhaps i mean have you been have you been to the to new england before
0: no, I haven't. I will say, like, I do have one experience with New Englanders, though. Like, I may have mentioned this on the show before, but when I was briefly in grad school in Philadelphia, um, some of the, my classmates were from New England, and they uh, mm-hmm. were pretty snooty, and uh, they were mm-hmm. really into, like, comparing and contrasting their lineage and like Uh bragging about their connection to the Mayflower and stuff like that. Totally. uh, Yeah. That's just not the type of stuff I'd heard people brag about before.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Rhode Island. That's in New England, I believe. I mean, Providence is supposed to be a really cool town with, you know, RISD is there. Um, I think obviously Burlington, Vermont is pretty chill, you know, uh, Since Bernie lives there, Bernie Sanders, uh, who you may have heard of, lives there. I mean, that makes me think that like there are parts of Vermont and Providence that are like a little more cool, but I honestly don't know. I think Portland, Maine is really cool. I've been there before. It's similar to Portland, Oregon in a lot of ways, but I do think, yeah, and in upstate New York, you know, there's lots of um, kind of little towns that are named after towns in Europe where I assume a lot of people immigrated from those areas like there's like towns rome. called like warsaw or rome yeah my mom's from really close to rome uh so that's interesting where i think there's like a lot of uh like my family my mom's family is welsh so there's like you know communities of welsh people and like it's kind of interesting
0: yeah but, they uh, put you know. all the w's in the words <laughs>
1: Yeah. (laughs) But in general, I don't really love going up there, to be honest.
0: Yeah. So you live in New York City right now,
1: right? Uh, officially but i'm actually in portland
0: oregon oh right now. <laughs> okay yeah when you mentioned that having issues with the snow i was like oh uh, i assumed you were in oregon but uh, <laughs> yeah because yeah it's before we did this i actually uh, ran some errands in the snow walked for probably like a couple hours and uh, it was oh, wow. fun but pretty uh, pretty brutal
1: yeah, it's um pretty snowy down here. It's frozen, and uh, but it's fun, you know. I grew up in Oregon, so any snow is like a blessing, and uh, yeah, I'm not used to it, so it's nice.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I I actually do have a short quiz for you. Um, oh shit! But before we get to that, but
1: first, but first, but first, but first, but first, but first.
0: Do you want to tell people about your podcast?
1: Oh, sure. So my friend Rob and I, he is uh, a film programmer based in Olympia, Washington. And we have a podcast called I Five Cinema Bound, which is, uh, you know, West Coast. Uh, it's not all West Coast centric, but we both are currently on the West Coast. So we did uh, season one this fall and we're going to be kicking off season two in the spring coming up. And what we do is, um, I sort of come from the documentary world, whereas Rob is more into narrative films, like fiction films. So we have guests on, like usually from the film world or music worlds or mostly like people in creative worlds who will choose a nonfiction and a fiction film that they want to talk about. And so we, um, us, the two hosts and the guests will rewatch the films leading up to our recording and then discuss them and For me, this is like an interesting way to force people to talk about documentaries and uh, how they relate to fiction film because I think documentaries are often overlooked in terms of like when people talk about their favorite movies or like, you know, a movie isn't, you're not gonna think of a documentary when you hear that word a lot of times. And so it's been fun to sort of force people to choose a documentary that they wanna talk about And also, it's fun to have guests force Rob and I to watch movies and then talk about them. So it's like kind of cool because the guests have a lot of control over what we talk about and it's always a surprise. So yeah, it's on uh, Apple Podcasts and on Twitter and Instagram at i5cinemaBound if anyone wants to check it out.
0: Yeah, one I listened to, well, I listened to a few of your episodes. The one that I listened to all the way through, though, was the one about Westworld, and I just wanted to uh, give my two cents on that. Your Mm -hmm. guest was saying that the HBO Westworld show is bad, but uh, Uh I think it's good.
1: Okay, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was Molly Lambert. Um, I believe she's a journalist and podcast host. I can't remember. Um, Yeah, we watched Future World uh, at her request. But yeah, I... As you heard, I probably I haven't watched a lot of Westworld, but I do want to watch it. Like she did not deter me from watching it. So
0: yeah, I will say the the uh, third season actually it was bad um, because mm. by the third season they. Uh, uh, weren't doing much with the western element anymore but um i think i think it's cool because it's it's a very complex show if you uh, try to figure everything out you, it'll make you go crazy but if you just go along with it i think it's a good show
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna check it out For, first on my list is barry oh yeah
0: i've tried to watch that but didn't really get very far maybe i should again
1: yeah, I just I finished watching all of Veronica Mars through again, which is one of my favorite shows. And so now I need something and I haven't watched Barry, but I've meant to and I love Bill Hader. So it's probably what I'm going to get into in the next couple days.
0: days. I, uh, I would like to give you this quiz if you're ready.
1: <laughs> All right, what's what's
0: it about? So uh, normally I try to do so, a little bit more of like trick questions a little bit, but this one's very straightforward. I will name something and it will mm-hmm. either be a TV, movie, video game, or book. And you have to okay. guess what it is. Uh, I tried really hard to make sure that it was something that hadn't been adapted into something else. Um, I may okay. have missed one, but uh, anyway, yeah.
1: So wait, so it's either a book or a TV show slash movie slash video game? One of those?
0: No, it's one of those four.
1: Oh, it's out of okay. of four.
0: Okay. All right, perfect. So number one, Inch High Private Eye. Is that a TV show, movie, video game, or book? Hmm.
1: I'm going to say book. That
0: is incorrect. It is a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, so TV show.
1: TV show. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see it as like a children's book, though.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Number two uh this one i think it should be easy maybe you know of it uh, the <laughs> battle of algiers what is that oh yeah
1: that's a movie
0: that is correct yeah um number three champions of norath
1: please spell Norath.
0: n-o-r-r-a-t-h
1: oh okay it's not to google it i just wanted to visualize it rip uh what is it, what of Nora?
0: Champions.
1: Okay, a uh, video game.
0: That is correct. So Yay. you have two out of three. Okay. Number four, Caroline in the City.
1: Hmm. Never heard of that. Um, I'll say book.
0: That is incorrect. That was an NBC sitcom from the 90s. Oh, okay. So that was four, right? So number mm-hmm. five. The Once in Future King.
1: Once in Future King, that doesn't sound grammatically correct. Um Well, there's got to be a video game eventually, so I'll say video game.
0: That is incorrect. Then there also already was a video game.
1: Wait, which one?
0: Champions of Norath.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, the Once and Future King. That is by a book by T. H. White. Y. It is one of the um, the main, uh, I think, compilations of like King Arthur stories. It was. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it's from 1958, but it is based on a book called The Death of Arthur from the Middle Ages.
1: Okay. Are these all things that you've played or read or seen?
0: Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this just is wondering. just from Wikipedia, basically. <laughs> uh, okay. So this is number six Awaken the Giant Within.
1: Ooh, that sounds really familiar. Too bad that doesn't help me know what it is. Um, I think it sounds like a comic book or something. I'm going to say book.
0: That is correct. It is a yeah. book. It is not a comic book, though. It is Tony Robin, one of Tony Robbins' self-help books.
1: Mm, okay, that sounds true as well. <laughs> Sorry for that bang. No Sorry. worries.
0: Um, and so that leaves two more dead men don't wear plaid.
1: Oh, i heard that. I think it's a movie.
0: That is correct. It is a Carl Car- Reiner movie. movie. The,
1: to start this quest. To, 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 to start this quest. To, to, to start quest. Mm-hmm. With
0: Steve Martin in it.
1: Yes. Cool.
0: And the last one, Blackthorn. Hmm. All one word. Blackthorn. And thorn has okay. an E at the end.
1: Okay. Let's um, say TV show. There haven't been that many of those.
0: That is incorrect. It is a video game. It was hmm. a, uh, for the, I believe, Sega, Super Nintendo. It's an older one, okay. but. Uh, so I wasn't doing a great job at keeping track of your score, but I believe <laughs> you got five out of eight. Does that sound that's right to you? That's not bad. Yeah, it that's Sounds good to good. me. Cool. Yeah, good job. Um, if it's Thanks. not five out of eight, then I'll just insert a robotic voice saying the <laughs> correct answer. Megan actually got four out of eight. Not five out of eight. Okay.
1: (laughs) I love you I love the style of your podcast, by the way. I think it's really refreshing and interesting. Thank you. And I love the audio the soundboard stuff is like (laughs) really speaks to me because I used to love doing soundboards, like the Miss Cleo one and the um yeah, it's a big part of my childhood, so
0: I'm glad you think so Yeah, originally, I actually do not have these episodes anymore online available But the first four episodes were entirely, uh, like, sound collage I did not speak on them at all
1: Oh, wow Did you want to be, like, anonymous or something? Or was it just, like, an experiment?
0: Well, it was more like I've been building my own soundboard. Like, let me see how big this is. And I just wanted to make use of it somehow. And that seemed like Mm. the easiest way. But uh, yeah, let me see my soundboard real quick.
1: Can you play the sounds right now or do you add them all later?
0: I can play them now, but I don't have my Zoom set up for you to hear them. Oh, okay. Um,
1: yeah, sorry. This is a deviation, but yeah, I'm just really interested in your process, like as a, a fellow media maker.
0: Yeah. So right now I have about two thousand, almost two thousand files of either sound drops or music or something like that, and it's almost wow. four gigs. So. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I think a lot of these have never even actually used.
1: <laughs> wow. Not yet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> someday, yeah. Here are some sound drops I have never played and might never play again. I felt so symbolic yesterday. Lemon yellow sun.
1: You could say I am the biggest nobody of them all. The Fitness Graham Pacer test is a multi-stage aerobic capacity test that progressively gets more difficult as it continues. What you gonna do? What you gonna do?
0: Make a tree come true. So let's talk a little bit about documentaries in general. I'd like to go mm-hmm. back to that. So I watched one of the documentaries you made before um, we recorded this. Uh, um, it was something. It was, can you repeat the title? I'm sorry.
1: Was it Laura in Search of Teeth?
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, so the way I would describe it is it uh, it's a pretty grotesque documentary. It's about a lady who uh, collects body parts and organs, stuff like that, and has them in jars around her house. Uh, do you want to give mm-hmm. more info about this movie?
1: Yeah, sure. So a couple of years ago, well, about almost four years ago now, I saw an ad in my hometowns buy sell group you know people selling stuff to their uh neighbors and such and this lady was looking for human teeth and uh she said she was happy to answer questions so being a documentary filmmaker i was like i'll ask you some questions uh and i wrote to her and was like who are you do you want to talk to me uh and she happened to live a few blocks from my parents and. Uh, And so the next time I went to visit them, I went to meet with her and I was just like, I just wanted to know, because I grew up thinking that my hometown was really boring. And so learning that this woman lived there and did what she did was like, I had to know more. So I, um, yeah, filmed an interview with her. And then I interviewed her son and nephew who are really interesting characters uh, in their own right. And Um, yeah, it's pretty, it can be pretty, um, it's on Vimeo if you guys want to check it out, but yeah, it's pretty intense wild ride. Um, I like to call it a look at, uh, death, life, trauma, and the wonders of formaldehyde. (laughs)
0: yes yeah that that's a good description and it's a good movie i uh recommend people find it online um i haven't watched any of your other documentaries though so uh could you give us a little bit about those and also like i guess um what do you feel like are unique about your documentaries like what are some Mm -hmm. characteristics that they have in common
1: yeah um, so I started off just learning how to edit with old home videos and I would just like set them to music that I made because I also, um, play and record music. And so, um, but then I started working with other people and I did some music videos for artists in Portland and, uh, have, um, since kind of made some stories that I made another film called very rare, which is about, um, my partner's uh, experience being basically having an adverse reaction to an antibiotic, um, Cipro. And for that, I sort of delved into like online communities that form online around um, health problems. And so that was really interesting. So I guess something that links my work these days is like internet culture and... um, I'm really interested in you know, eccentric people. I'm interested in collecting. Um, I'm interested in what connects people who might not seem to be connected, I suppose. And a lot of the work I'm doing now is like more uh, new media stuff like web installation. And uh, like I'm doing a, a geolocated sound walk right now which are more about kind of music history specifically, so yeah, I would say like I'm really interested in music and how it can unify people. I'm interested in highlighting histories that aren't always uh, you know, remembered. And, yeah, really fascinated in internet culture and like internet communities
0: definitely and what are some other documentaries that i mean of course people should watch documentaries you've made but what is a documentary you'd recommend um maybe one that people haven't seen very much
1: yeah i have been talking about the raft um for a long time like It just really amazed me when I saw it. This film, The Raft, came out in 2018 by Marcus Lindin, who I believe is a Swedish filmmaker. And it basically was about this um, social experiment in 1973 where 11 people volunteered to float across the Atlantic like on a huge raft. And this guy who designed the experiment, um, I believe he was from South America, sort of like wanted to study them and eventually got sort of uh annoyed and like mad that he couldn't control the outcome of the experiment and like it's just a really fascinating uh kind of sociological experiment gone awry so i i really recommend the raft um one that i've been wanting to see that's that just came out is mlk fbi i don't know if you've heard about it no it's, uh, yeah, by Sam Pollard, which um, there's a lot of new uncovered, like, stuff that has come out about the FBI surveillance and harassment of Martin Luther King Jr., and I really want to see that. Um, so, yeah, like, I feel like documentaries can, you know, obviously expose, you know, stuff that uh, people, this kind of what watching Hypernormalization by Adam Curtis, which, um I watched in preparation for this podcast was trying to do where it's just kind of like, wait, like, you know, the people in power can only just cause times passing doesn't mean what they did. It can't be uncovered. And like, I think documentary is a good tool for that. But what's interesting is I hear a lot of fiction filmmakers say that fiction films are a better way to tell the truth because, you know, you don't have to, deal with, like, libel cases and stuff.
0: Yeah, like, I, I've heard stuff like that. That seems like, uh, you know, that just, like, goes back to the Greeks. Like, it's just, like, mm-hmm. a classic thing that people have always rehashed, you know?
1: Yeah, like, like the best way to tell the truth.
0: Uh-huh. hmm
1: Yeah, because it's like, if you tell a story you write a story that's obviously very heavily based on something that happened but you say you insist that it isn't then you're kind of covered so i think that's interesting
0: yeah and it's also like you can stage anything that may have not been uh, actually documented uh, easier in mm-hmm. a fiction movie
1: yeah so- yeah, like, re- well, one movie that I uh, saw recently was The Social Dilemma. Did you see that?
0: No, I haven't.
1: The documentary on Netflix, basically about, like, the, the algorithms on social networks and, like, a lot of what Adam Curtis talked about, too. But they had these weird, so a lot of it is straight-up documentary where it's, like, uh, interviews with people who used to work for Facebook or, like, Twitter. But then they have these cheesy kind of reenactments like splintered through where they have this teen boy who's like getting sucked into like a weird like alt-right type group that has obviously been invented for this film and it's just like those kinds of reenactments i can't always take seriously it's like i don't know i don't always like the fiction the fiction that gets mixed into docs sometimes
0: it's very uh or at least it comes across to me very like basic cable documentary Mm -hmm. show
1: yeah like true crime stuff that i used to watch when i was a kid when it wasn't even called true crime it was just like i don't know i can't remember any of the shows but um
0: forensic files
1: yeah stuff like that where it was (laughs) just like no i felt like nobody watched that back then
0: uh, I don't know. I I well, my mom was ki- uh, kind of more into like true crime um uh books rather than mm-hmm. TV, but uh I I remember my mom being uh, really into that stuff when I was growing up. Mhm. But uh, yeah, we can uh, transition to Adam Curtis since you, uh, you brought him up. I would like to talk about him. So um, I'm going to talk about a, a couple of his documentaries that um, mm-hmm. real quick just to set the stage. So he made a documentary series called Century of the Self, uh, which is about Edward Bernay who's the nephew of Freud and Edward Bernay's idea was basically to implement psychoanalytical thinking kind of Freudian psychoanalysis into business and that's how PR was created essentially um, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, which is a pretty interesting documentary and then he has another one um, these are the only ones I've seen He has others too But he has another one called Bitter Lake Which basically attempts to explain Why the U.S. is so committed to Saudi Arabia And how the U.S. became involved in the Middle East to begin with um, mm,
1: When did that come out?
0: Um, I want to say like
1: 2011 mm, Cool uh,
0: 2015 actually oh, Okay um, And that that movie's interesting because uh unlike hyper it has some elements like hyper normalization but unlike it there's a lot of very like slow moments where there's kind of no narration and it's just um it's a lot slower pace and then now we can get to hyper normalization which is one of my favorite movies you just watched it for the first time what do you think about it
1: yeah um I'd heard a lot about Adam Curtis, like from different people, but the people who talk, told me about his films made them sound really intense and like anxiety inducing, which th- this definitely was. Like, it's just, I have to be right in the right mood for it, you know? So I, yeah, I watched it. I started it last night, finished it today. I found it to be like really detailed and interesting. Um, I'm definitely still processing it. It was kind of a mindfuck uh, and gave me some anxiety. Uh, but it, I think it was pretty brilliant. And I think the style of it honestly reminded me of your show, or reminded me of your podcast, just in the the collage of uh, influences and how he played with how a viewer's brain inevitably jumps around and sort of capitalized on it. And so I thought it was really well done. Well,
0: thank you. I really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And yeah. so when did you first see it?
0: Um, hmm. I mean, I first saw it shortly after it came out. Um mm. and I I was I was living at the house that we both lived at when I first watched it, so. Mm.
1: Okay.
0: Um, but after you moved out. So
1: mm-hmm. we live in a strange time. Extraordinary events keep happening that undermine the stability of our world.
0: Yeah, and then the way people often describe this movie is I feel like they portray it as like um, what it feels like to, you know, be on some type of drug, whether weed or something else, maybe drunk, I don't know. And browsing Mm -hmm. Wikipedia, uh, do you Uh get that impression from it?
1: Yeah, yeah, where it's just like... Yeah, he's like connecting all these dots and it just, yeah, sometimes it hits me like the ramblings of a high person.
0: <laughs> yes. And um, and I wanted to talk about this because his new documentary series called Can't Get You Out of My Head came out a few days ago now. As I'm recording, I've watched the first two episodes out of six of it, so I haven't seen all of it. Um, I will say so far, it seems like it's going into a lot of the same things as hyper normalization. But I think it's a little more focused on a few stories, and it goes a little deeper. But at the same time, it it is probably even more dense than hyper normalization, like information comes very quickly. Mm.
1: Yeah, what is it? What's
0: the new series about? Um, So some of the main stories is It kind of seems like they're setting it up Where they're looking at like the US, the UK And China, maybe some other places uh, Kind of around the same time So the China story really focuses on Mao Zedong's wife who was a leading figure in the cultural revolution and then another main character um in the from the UK story so far has been this guy named Michael X who was mm-hmm. basically like the UK's version of Malcolm X and I'd never heard of mm-hmm. him but um, yeah. yeah so uh it's hard to say a, a much more about what it's about yet but it seems to really be emphasizing how history has been driven by people with these sort of like either desires to repress emotion or um, they're fully motivated by their kind of like emotion and so it's about like how history is informed by responding to emotions Mm
1: -hmm. that's interesting yeah I was it seems like a lot of the stuff in hyper normalization, like could be updated in a really interesting way in terms of what's happened since 2016. So like, I guess I was hoping that his new his new thing would like be about COVID or Trump or something.
0: It might be um, like kind of similar to hypernormalization. I'm assuming it starts in the '70s and then makes its way oh. to the present because um, mm-hmm. it has been moving forward in time. Um, I do one thing that's worth mentioning about hypernormalization, though, is it was made it was released like almost uh, a few weeks before Trump was elected. And so Mm -hmm. we read the movie now as being about like, this is what led to Trump being president. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where it kind of leaves you off. It leaves you with Trump, but uh, it's easy to forget that it was actually made before Trump was even elected.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was so interesting that Trump is like a a connecting thread dating back to the (laughs) seventies. Yes. Can't get rid of that guy.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like that movie. I like it a lot too. Yeah. And I think probably the standout part about it, in my opinion, is all the stuff about Gaddafi.
1: Yeah. That was so crazy and interesting. And like, I admit I didn't have any knowledge of, the history of that like I'd heard his name and I know about some of the more recent stuff but that's just <laughs> yeah
0: yeah insane. and f- for the listeners who may not have seen the movie it basically uh, Gaddafi's role is in the 80s there was a terrorist or sever- a string of terrorist attacks in Europe and they were most likely tied to Lebanon or sorry Syria or Syrian terrorists but uh, it was very a complicated situation. and the Reagan administration basically attempt to use Gaddafi as a scapegoat because they didn't want to present this uh, complex, overly complicated narrative to people. They just wanted a villain.
1: Yeah, And the part about how like Reagan wanted to prove that, he did something <laughs> like yes. so they made it seem like or maybe that was the other thing what exactly was it
0: were they like well w- there is a part i think it's in hypernormalization where um reagan like sends troops to it's not panama it was it was like granada i think Mm. And and they basically, do you remember that from the movie or is that something else? That
1: doesn't, that doesn't ring a bell. I feel like all the stuff they talked about was, um, Middle East.
0: Yeah. Adjacent. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) One sec. I'm going to look up. Oh, I think I might be mixing it up with the, uh, Oliver Stone history of the United States. Oh. Like he talks about, um, Reagan in the, uh, Granada war, but, uh. Yeah, I'm glad you like that movie. Like I said, it's uh, one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any other thoughts on uh, Adam Curtis or hypernormalization after this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought the music was really cool. Uh, just as a... I love the girls dancing. Like, there's just kind of a lot of... Um, there's just a lot of interesting editing techniques that were used. Um, like, one thing that stands out is the the sequence of, like he edited together footage from films of people like watching a disaster unfold oh, yeah. or something like people looking up and this was all films from uh, pre 9-11 uh-huh. and <laughs> i thought that was like pretty haunting and it was to uh suicide's dream baby dream which is a great song and uh yeah just the yeah the use of like looping and uh Again, I got a kick out of those three girls filming themselves dancing. Super funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I think that at the beginning, of the music is uses this instrument that I own called the omnicord, which is like this is a random like instrument nerd thing, but I. Thought I heard the twinkle of an omnicord, which is a rare instrument that I happen to own, so I thought that was pretty cool too.
0: Very cool. Yeah, those are like the elect. Are they like electric harps, kind of? Or?
1: Yeah, it's basically an electric, like a Suzuki um, electric auto harp.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know what what those sound like, but I'll, I'll look into it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a twinkling twinkling sound of a harp and it's like a casio sort of beat but yeah i i made a song with it actually a lot of the stuff in the score of laura in search of teeth um which i co-composed with my partner and uh uses omnicord so you can hear a lot of omnicord in uh, laura in search of teeth oh very film.
0: cool yeah i did notice the soundtrack in that um yeah. one song i wanted to highlight from Hypernormalization is i like that uh russian song they play Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a moment where they play a Russian song. It's very minimalist. I think it's just guitar and vocals, but with the subtitles of the lyrics and they're basically just like um I want to die like every day I feel like shit or so- something like how,
1: that. Yeah, how fucking shitty I feel. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: I made a note about that. <laughs> Yeah, and the the person talking about their Moscow punk haircut, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> <he's Yes>. like. <laughs>
0: I wanted to talk about a couple news stories real quick. I mean, this is ostensibly a news show, um, but these are some of the news stories that interest me the most this week. Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. These are facts. So the The first one is, did you hear about how hackers tampered with a uh, water treatment plant in Florida? They basically changed the chemical levels, and it seems to it seems like it was an attempt to poison people. Did you hear about that?
1: What? No.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I should have sent you the link to this ahead of time. But yeah, so hackers...
1: No, now you can tell me about
0: it. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Hackers infiltrated the computer system in a city called Oldsmar, Florida. They were able to remotely control the computer to change chemical levels. I'm reading from The Verge, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it says it's... It's sodium hydroxide Commonly known as lye It's used in water to regulate Acidity levels but in excess It would be similar to Like Drano or something What? And yeah it says no one was Harmed but uh, All of this begs the question Like why would our Water supply be connected To the internet Um, That's my thought on it Do you have any more thoughts? (laughs)
1: No, I mean, I just have a a lot of questions, but I wonder who who would do that and why. But yeah, I don't... Water can stay low-tech. I mean, come on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, it seems like they want to imply Russia did it, as you would expect. But mm. um, it says, but they they don't seem to know. It says it is not the first incident of water supplies being targeted. A water utility mm. in Illinois was targeted by suspected Russian hackers in November, and then um, they talk about Iran attempting. Um, to hack into water supply in israel so who knows who it is it could be russians Uh, i i really don't know
1: do you can you do you know of any reason why this area would be targeted like is there anything specific like specific about it and, um, like who lives there? Not something? mentioned in the article, I
0: guess. My my thought was maybe it's just what they could pull off. Maybe it wasn't mm. as sophisticated as somewhere like New York or something. But I mm-hmm. don't know. Huh. And uh, I guess the big impact of that the why the reason I wanted to bring it up is you know. I feel like more stuff like this is just going to continue to happen. Yeah. This is the uh, new future. And um, speaking of Mm. new futures... Um, I know I did send you a link to talk about this. It's a little bit mm-hmm. late. I've, I listened to a lot of podcasts and radio shows. People have already talked about this. But how a couple weeks ago now, Nevada, there was a Nevada bill that would allow tech companies to form their own governments. Um, <laughs> and they would basically be called innovation zones. They would have to own like... 75 square oh 78 square miles of property once they do that they would be able to form their own government as if they were a county they'd have a, a sheriff they have laws um, mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts about this
1: well the first thing that struck me on about that is that it seems like there are lots of hoops to jump through like don't they have to invest a billion dollars over 10 years or something or like commit it seems like it's You know, it's an interesting headline, but the reality, it's, I don't know, it makes me think, like, what would be the interest in forming a government entity? Is it so that you can do whatever you want and not have to answer to, like, laws or just, like, the illusion of power or, like, I just... I'm not sure why anyone would want to do it, because it seems like there are lots of uh, requirements that would require an enormous commitment.
0: Yeah, I guess the benefit would basically be, like, similar to a company town. Like, you would Mm -hmm. have all these people working there, and it's 78 square miles, so they don't have anywhere to go except, like maybe the shops on on the compound you would pay rent right to presumably your employer um i yeah. feel like that that's w- what would be different about it but yeah you're right you do have to invest a lot to be able to pull yeah. this off
1: yeah and when you describe it like that it's a little creepy too like <laughs> yeah. it's like this the circle or something
0: Yeah, and I do, you know, I I like to tie things back to history, and, you know, I think about when the Roman Empire collapsed, a big reason why was that the slave-owning class, the powerful class, um, was feeling less and less integrated into the power structure of the Roman empire. The, the economy was failing. So what mm-hmm. they did was they moved out to the country and started building up their estates and villas. And once the empire finally collapsed, that was the context that feudalism developed. And, um, I almost wonder if this is, uh, a, almost like a similar gesture, like, uh, capitalist enterprises are looking to uh, pull away from the the power structure and start their own that's a little bit separate um in the case that they could become the new power structure
1: yeah and that's the part that i mean i feel like society's been evolving to allow for this kind of thing but the fact that we're getting there is like a little scary
0: yeah and i also think uh, if this was allowed to happen it would also resemble feudalism in the sense that like if you think about the holy roman empire it's like there were all these principalities and duchies and vice royalties and uh they all had like different policies they all interacted with the like federal policy in a different way it was very Mm -hmm. complex and this type of thing uh it seems like it's approaching that level of like bureaucratic complexity.
1: Yeah. And it is also interesting how it seems like different States are now in like a bidding war for, to uh, convince people, companies to move to their state. Like I know Texas has attracted a lot of companies in the past months for, cause they can pay lower taxes there. And uh, so like, this seems like Nevada's like throwing their, what do you say? Sticking to the, the fire, hat in the ring—that's that's
0: the one. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been may the li- best
1: state win. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've actually been listening to this like this kind of like tech pro podcast. It's for my next episode. I'm trying to get clips mm. from it, um, and they're really into hyping like, oh, Miami's the next Silicon Valley. Everyone's going right. to Miami and Uh i I feel like austin's very similar
1: yeah yeah and it's interesting how like in the film industry a few years ago everybody was moving to albuquerque like um new mexico which uh is really interesting like now there's a lot of stuff being filmed out there i think that kind of started with breaking bad it's kind of like i may be wrong but it's just interesting how different industries kind of shift and like Like, I think it's overall good that things are becoming decentralized from, like, the coasts.
0: Yeah, Um, also how Georgia is kind of developing a film industry, too.
1: Yeah, that's right. I remember, like, when there was some really strong like pro-life legislation passed a couple years ago all these production companies were threatening to pull their productions out of georgia mm-hmm. or whatever yeah
0: you come from georgia where the peaches grow they drink lemonade and speak real slow i guess i have one last story and then we could wrap up um so there was a story that came at it so that the World Health Organization basically inspected the Wuhan laboratory. They uh, looked at all the data, and they basically concluded that COVID nineteen did not, in fact, originate in a Wuhan laboratory. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Um. <laughs> but and I mean that speaks for itself. I mean most people did not assume that right but the reason I wanted to highlight it is uh, the Biden administration is still this is from Reuters by the way they're Mm -hmm. still looking forward to scrutinizing data included in a WHO report um in other words, the U.S., the Biden administration, is still planning on uh, scrutinizing this, presumably to make China look bad, uh, even even though it's potentially fueling, I guess, far-right conspiracies who assume mm. that it was like a bioweapon made by China. Um, and I wanted to highlight this because this is totally something we'd expect from Trump, Um, Do you have any thoughts on uh, Biden pursuing this information?
1: I feel like, I don't know, this brings me to another documentary that I saw recently called In the Same Breath um, by Nanfu Wang, who's an amazing Chinese American filmmaker, um, which is all about the the outbreak, initial outbreak of, of COVID in Wuhan. Um, it just came out at Sundance and it'll be out later this summer, I think, more widely widely. But like of all the the stuff to scrutinize in terms of China's handling of the virus, there's a lot more that I think would be worth looking at rather than trying to like refute this WHO claim. So like I just feel like that may be misplaced energy
0: yeah absolutely um and i mean i will i will say personally just from like stories we've heard i'm not convinced that covid19 even started in china like a lot of it's oh, yeah? here but there is um uh, reportedly um early cases of covid in france and even parts of the u.s like couple months before in China so I -hmm. guess I just don't really know what to think about it right now but I do think that it definitely did not come from a laboratory yeah
1: I agree I do think that yeah like in the film that I just mentioned in the same breath they mentioned that there were like symptoms in as early as November I believe in Wuhan like around this uh, livestock market I think it was. Um, like there's some really interesting surveillance footage of a doctor whose office was right by this market and it captures all these people coming in, you know, coughing and everything. And it's like pretty haunting how how long it took for China to even mention it to, you know, the rest of the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, well, maybe we shouldn't go there i was gonna defend china a little bit at least compared to the us i will defend china
1: yeah that's fair
0: um but yeah i with a lot of COVID stuff i just don't try to take a strong stance Or, I mean, I take a strong stance against the really dumb stuff, like, you know, right-wing talking points. But Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the way people relate to talk about COVID, it really changes every few months. Like, if you think about how we related to COVID um, a year ago, or, I mean, 10 months ago, like, you know, people still weren't wearing masks.
1: Right, right. Um, yeah the US yeah I mean we don't have to get into it but yeah definitely fault and misleading statements all around
0: yeah absolutely Um, so unless you have any other thoughts I think I'm ready to wrap up that sounds good where can people find you online find anything you've made stuff like that
1: yeah um, well on Twitter and Instagram I'm at the Martian Tide Uh, which is uh, Klaus Nomi Lyric, and my website is, well, I think it's probably easier if you just find me on Twitter or Instagram, and then you can click through to my website, which is where all my films can be found.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And for the listeners, uh, you can follow the show on, uh, on Twitter at society underscore show, you can follow me personally at Christian is cool is spelled I Z you can email the podcast at society show at gmail.com and you can also leave a voicemail at nine seven one two three eight four one three eight Megan thanks again for being on the show.
1: Yeah thank you Christian. Till next time take care of yourself and each other. Christian oh Christian. Oh, Christian, it's your buddy, Kato Kalin. Have a great podcast, my friend. We all love The Society Show. Goodbye from me, Kato Kalin.